welcome to you. My name is Jerry Crow, and this is Real Talk Entertainment. And this is a podcast where I'll be talking to people from the world of sport, music, film, TV, and books, as well as many more areas. But on today's episode, I'll be talking to Chip Cahoon, who is a storyteller, and I'll be talking to him about his life and his love. I'll be right back after this. They call him Chip, 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 Jerry Moe. Hello. Hey. My first question to Chip was how he became involved with the Kingdom 1000 project. Oh, uh, well, to answer that, you have to go back to 2015 when I was asked to write a book of Cambridgeshire folktales for children and I was researching quite a few of them. I found one from the Viking period, which really caught my interest because to not give away too much, it involves the Viking king, a chap called Canute, who is like the the big conquering hero of uh, 1016, uh, coming along and taking over Britain, basically. And he makes friends with the people in the area around East Anglia and Cambridgeshire and that. And it really caught my interest because East Anglia didn't have a very good relationship with foreigners back then. There were all of the, I mean, you probably know there's like a a city that's named after one of the guys who fought against the Vikings and got his head chopped off. And then afterwards we had one of the uh, biggest resistances to William the Conqueror um, in the form of a chap called Herod the Wake, who's like the East Anglian Robin Hood. And so to to find sandwiched between all of that anti-Viking, xenophobic folklore, this one story in which somebody had come over to conquer the land and actually got accepted as a friend by the East Anglians, it it just really threw me. So I did a bit more digging and found out a lot more about this Canute chap, and it's led to two more books, a theatre show, and now this web series, because I, I discovered that he had essentially written Magna Carta 200 years early, and no one was talking about it. And when I started asking around saying, are we going to talk about this? Eventually, I got a few people saying, well, yeah, we we probably should, because hang about if he passed that law in 1020, that means that 2020 is going to be that that's going to be the 1000th birthday. That's a pretty significant number. So, uh, yeah, we eventually put together this. It was originally going to be a big project with like massive outdoor festivals and gatherings and things. Um, And a certain virus came along and put paid to all of that. But now it's a a web series with loads of different artists from all around the world and activists, too. And. uh, Yeah, it's it's just good fun now, good fun to good fun to be part of, uh, getting to encourage folks to be creative in lots of different ways with drama and painting, but also cooking and poetry. And and we're going to have gardening on soon as well, um, all to celebrate equal justice. That sounds like a hell of a lot going on there. (laughs) I don't know if you saw the little ad I put out just a few days ago. 
to, to, to um to advertise that you would be on the show. I didn't I know. Put you down there on my little ad as a musician, singer, actor, storyteller, and and radio presenter. <laughs> and basically, you are all of those things. And and now you've just added to that. How do you how do you fit in the time to do all of it? Or are you not doing all of it? <laughs> um, well, I I think really if there's if there is a secret to all this, Jerry, it's that I don't see myself as any of those things except one. I I am a storyteller. That's first and foremost what I do, and 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 that's all I do really. When I when I go on the radio, I'm always there telling stories. In this web series, I mean, you you saw me in there essentially as a folklorist talking about stories rather than telling any but most of the episodes in that series you'll see me sitting around a campfire dressed as a, a an early medieval peasant telling a story from back in the day whenever i'm on a stage like i i've been with you a couple of times i'm always thinking about the story that i'm telling and and how i'm going to perform it best for the the audience uh when i when i'm writing as well that's that's always what i'm thinking of at the end of the day is how folks are going to connect with this story so um yeah storytelling comes in a number of different forms but for me that's all i am that's all i do with, with that um the storytelling the main thing i've seen over the lockdown has been is been the the children's um storytelling hmm. Is that something that you've been concentrating on more than anything else at the moment? In lockdown, yeah, I think so. Because just before the lockdown started, um, I just completely by chance, actually, happened to be working in the same school as one of the other directors of our company, uh, who is a, a head teacher. So it was her school and um, there was a lot of talk going on in the staff room about what might happen with this increasing pandemic problem. And she and I um, got together and, and said, you know, teachers are going to need support. Um, at that stage, they didn't know that schools would have to be in full lockdown, but they were anticipating there would be some kids going into self-isolation who'd need support homeschooling. But of course, the teachers were still expecting to have to teach kids in school. And we just wanted to support with that as much as possible. So the idea behind my online storytelling or Epic Tales, actually, it's, it's not just me, it's it's our company. Um, and I've been really privileged, actually, to have worked with some fantastic storytellers as part of it um, from all over the world, as well as all over the Internet. Um, and yeah, we, we just said, OK, well, stories are a great way to learn things. Um, if we share stories, kids can get in engaged with that and feel like they're having fun and not really realize that they're learning and we can get together with a few teachers to sort of pull out some learning ideas from these stories and i must admit i didn't really know exactly how it was all going to go at that point but um i mean you you've seen the stories in the their video form for kids to enjoy um have you listened to the podcast that comes with well, them i won't blame I you have, if you have i have uh, a couple a couple well, yes. you have 
Oh, wow. Okay. That's dedication, that is. This man, is this chap who's hosting this podcast, folks, he's dedicated. He does his research. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so you'll know then, Jerry, that it's it's with teachers. We have a little team of teachers sitting down and discussing the stories and talking about exactly what kids can learn from it. And it just blows my mind every time. You know, I'm there telling a story about a spider trying to win a challenge that's been set for him by a sky god somewhere in africa um and you know it's like complete fantasy uh, one of the oldest stories in the world and they're talking about um teaching mechanics and physics to four and five year olds using that exact same story uh, it's it's absolutely blown my mind especially given the fact that they are also having to teach they are also having to um plan classrooms with this weird social distancing thing and teaching kids who are, who are still at home whilst in their classroom and preparing for a September where they're going to be working with kids who have been out of school for either six weeks, three months or six months. It's just baffling how they managed to find the time to jump on a podcast with me and um, talk about stories. But Hey ho, I suppose it's one of those we're all in this together. Let's help out each other as much as we yes, can. Absolutely. Yes, here, here to that. On a completely separate but related topic. Um, I recall several weeks, possibly months ago now, you was um looking for somebody to join your company an additional show you were putting on on a weekend day is that right that was a while you mean pre-lockdown yes, pre-lockdown how, how is that yeah. going <laughs> well um the the show uh that i think you're thinking of um is is sort of on pause because of lockdown it's it's been it's been on tour for a while actually um i think we started touring that one back in 2017 um but we've had a number of cast changes in that time it's actually our longest running show uh, and it's very connected with the Kingdom 1000 stuff that I was talking about at the beginning yeah. here. Um, in fact, I, I don't even know if we mentioned the name of the web series, did we? No. <laughs> oh, well, if, if we didn't, that that's it. It's Kingdom 1000. Um, it's, it's about the oldest and most influential law of equal justice in well in the western world really um there there were roman law codes that came out before it but they didn't really have any impact on the modern western world uh, this was the document that influenced magna carta which influenced the american constitution and the universal declaration of human rights and all of that and as a result of this, it's it's just a fantastic and fascinating and inspiring story. So as soon as I found it, I I mean, even before I realized the full implications of it, you know, the, the fact that we were coming up to a, a major millennial, um, I, I decided that I wanted to share this as far and as wide as possible. And um, with a bit of help from the Arts Council, put together this theater show, um, basically sharing the, the the story and it's been to Glastonbury Festival and the Edinburgh Festival and Jorvik Viking Festival. Um, it's been to places like Ely Cathedral and Buckfast Abbey. Uh, so it's been all around the UK and I, I foresee it keeping on going because it's it's one of my favorite shows that I've ever written and directed um I I love the the casts uh, all of the casts I've had um it, it's one of those where 
the children because it involves a, a child um they, they just grow up too fast um so you you have a, a a wonderful performer who comes in and then you sadly have to replace them um but the the last one who came in i thought i, I can't do this anymore because for, for one thing it costs a lot of money to train up a, a performer each time only to get maybe a, a year and a bit of um performing out of them um but the other side of it was just the emotional side and thinking you know that it's just so draining seeing so much talent flourish and um come so close and and then they have to go off to do gcses or whatever um so we've made our final replacement of that child actor with a puppet <laughs> right I... <laughs> <laughs> so we don't have to worry about that again um uh but yes it means that we're also um getting um getting some new cast hopefully when we come out of uh when we come out of lockdown to keep it going we, we're going to need a few more teams i think so that uh, we can we can reach more places with it yeah you know i think one of the do, do you know kate kate madison yes yes yeah, because Kate's Kate's been our um, main character for uh, well, yeah, definitely the last year at least. She was the one who came with us to Edinburgh last August, um, and she was down in Buckfast uh, a few weeks before that, or maybe maybe it was even two years now actually. Um, and she's amazing as well. She's incredible. Well, she's an incredible versatile person, let alone um, actor because uh, obviously she does um, writing as well and film direction um, and improv theatre. So it's wonderful working with all of the different teams on that show. Mm, yes. She, she, that's another name you've just given me. Added, added to your list of people to have on future podcasts. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, anyway, I'm going to um, just briefly step away from that kind of area and ask you about you because although I've known you now since I think it was 2015 we first met there or thereabouts was it, it, was it? Was it really there around ago? there 2015 2016 possibly I actually know nothing about you the man chip the man and if you do <laughs> I'm an enigma that is absolutely true because I actually spelt your name wrong too and I do apologize for <laughs> so yeah can you just tell us a little bit about yourself including the correct spelling of your name <laughs> okay uh well that that's easy to do that's c-o-l-q-u-h-o-u-n um it's it's much easier to pronounce than it looks to pronounce it you just have to take the opening c and the final four letters that gives you cahoon so you pretend that the o the l the q and the u aren't even there but you have to put them in because if you don't what you'd be left with is tune which would just be wrong so it has to be cahoon um well i, I mean apart from that though jerry i don't really know what else there is to tell you what what, what do you want to know I, I, well i don't know because i in a, in, in a word, I, I know nothing about you, the man, other than that you um, are extremely good at what I've seen you do. Well, um, 
I had a job interview back in, I think it was 2013. And at that time, I uh, I was in a relationship with someone who um, I don't talk to anymore for a variety of reasons. And one of those reasons may be because um, she wasn't totally happy with my job. Um, I obviously being a storyteller for a long time, I was self-employed. That That's the, the way this life works. And that means that you have some months where you're absolutely rolling in it because maybe you've just done a, a nice big project for the EU um, and you've uh, got some Arts Council money to develop a theatre show and you've had your local council invest in you for working in loads of schools and all that's happened all at once, which is literally what happened to me in 2013. Um, so I was absolutely fully loaded. Um, but just a few months uh, before that, it had been completely the other story. You know, you uh, scrabbling around wondering where the next penny was coming from. And my partner at the time couldn't couldn't live with me being like that. So um, as a sort of uh, white flag to her, I was trying to um, apply for jobs and I wanted to apply for things that um, were still within my skill set. So I was looking for um, arty type jobs, I guess. And one of these was based in London. I think it was for uh, a magazine. Uh, obviously, writing is my first passion. That's that's one of the reasons why I'm a storyteller. And um, I, I went down there thinking, you know, I'll be able to bring a lot to this organization. I had lots of design skills from running my own business. Um, I'm a really solid writer. I can write about 90 words per minute um, with very low error rate. And I, you know, I, I, I'm quite a creative chap. So I thought, you know, I was in with a really good shot with this company. Um, and the interview seemed to be going well. Um, and they asked me a bit about my background. So obviously I told them all the stuff I'd done and wax lyrical about some of the fantastic projects I'd been involved in as a storyteller um, and let them know that I was going to be bringing a lot of that drive and that imagination to their company um, because I, I wanted to start settling down now and, and all of that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I left there feeling pretty good about how it had gone. They, they'd even bought me a proper drink um, as part of this interview, you know, not not like just cup in water, but they, they'd gone out and they bought me a proper, I think it was something like a, a, a nice lemon tea or something. Um, <laughs> So, you know, it was a quality interview. And when they eventually rejected me, um, one of the reasons that they gave um, it was sort of like a backhanded compliment. They basically said, I am clearly a storyteller through and through. Um, I actually ooze storytelling. It's it is my being. Um, they they'd spotted that. They saw that um, every uh, there, there was such passion in there and they felt bad about taking me out from that world. Um, at least that's the way they put it anyway. They wanted to, they, they, they wanted to, um, they didn't think that I would settle down with them basically. Um, and I don't know, maybe they were right. I, I'm pretty good at settling down in things if I need to. Um, that goes with being a storyteller, really. You can, you can change your, ways you can change your attitude I, can, I i'm well known throughout the storytelling community for actually enjoying my tax return 
because sometimes I just love doing the the mundane and letting my mind go and concentrating on something that's not words. It's kind of like a, a release for me. But even so, they could see that, you know, it's clearly, clearly just my essence is this storytelling business. So the reason why I told this story in answer to your question is because I'm not actually sure there is a time when I am not storytelling in some way or another. Um, my biggest hobby at the moment is working on my novel. And I call it a hobby at the moment because, you know, I'm not being paid to do it, even though I have a, a contract for publication. There's there's not going to be any money there until or unless I finish it. Um, but I just love doing it. Um, so that, that's what I do in my spare time. Um, I love playing guitar in my spare time, which is, again, a hobby, but it is something that I've occasionally done professionally. Um, as you know, I get involved in the amateur or community theatre scene in Cambridge, um, which is something that I I do get paid for when I'm I'm doing it professionally and and, and then I do it um at an amateur level as well uh and that's how i i met my fiance so um back at home we we do things like uh take over our, our community's pub quiz our online pub quiz during lockdown um we we go out on on games nights with folks and yeah i i, I guess it's just living la vida creative <laughs> Right. <laughs> okay, and that that's and that's that's the <laughs> that's the chip I know. There you go. That's it. That's and and that's very much the same for you, I think, Jerry. I mean, you you've uh, uh, gone into lockdown and come out of it producing a podcast, so you must know what it's like. Yes, absolutely. Well, I mean, I told you the other uh, the other day. I told you a story about my cat. It was my only form of company. She sadly passed mm. away, which meant I had a lot of time on my hands before, but even more once she'd gone. So that's how this was born, pretty much. And um, with the research, which gave, kept my mind active, I found something that I could really get hold of. And again, like he says, it, it forces you to come outside your outside yourself and, and follow your, your passions. I mean, I, I'm not known for my outgoingness, but this podcast forces me to do that in order to connect with people so mm. yes i enjoy it. what was the name of your cat echo. echo echo so is this podcast dedicated to echo not really no but i have i have um i have got some shows planned where she will be included <laughs> oh wow okay not 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 as such but there will be specific ones for her at later dates which will come out in about oh. yeah, time well then that 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 is something else that um i i don't know whether you you know about me i i think you met my cat when we were chatting a little mm -hmm. bit before um coming on to do the podcast but yeah i i'm very much a a cat man like yourself um my one uh, is currently asleep on well, he, he's asleep on all of my uh, videography gear at the moment, um, right next to the guitar that he, he absolutely hates the sound of. Um, and he's moving because he knows I'm talking about him, but he, he is essentially my muse. And um, I, in fact, I think the word muse maybe even um, was born 
through cats given that it's what they do most of the time isn't it um and yeah he comes and jumps on my lap when i'm writing or will curl up and and sit with me if i'm in bed just jotting down notes or whatever um the only thing he doesn't like is when i start playing the guitar at that point he's in the garden <laughs> aye right so he's not he's not your biggest fan not not on the music but to be honest i don't blame him because i'm a terrible guitarist <laughs> Uh, I've heard it once or twice, and it's better than I could do. That's that's for definite. It's actually fairly easy. At least it it is the way that I play it. I'm sure I'm sure I could very easily teach you. <laughs> oh, it might be worth it. Might be worth a try at some point. I'm sure we can arrange something. Let's, yeah, why yeah. not? Give it a go at some point. You want to give me some web web addresses and. Um, facebook addresses etc so that we can share it with everybody that's listening oh that'd be very kind of you i suppose the most relevant thing for your listeners is probably going to be kingdom 1000 which is um kingdom 1000.com and don't worry that's 1000 the number not you don't have to type k-i-n-g-d-o-m-o-n-e etc um just uh kingdom and then 1000.com and that's going all the way until the 20th of October. Um, every single Tuesday, we release a new episode there. And you can you can go onto the website and access them at any time. But if you're there live at six o'clock on Tuesday, then you can jump into the Zoom room and ask questions live to me and my guests. And the guests that we've had so far have included a celebrity chef from BBC Food and the curator of the spoken word scene on uh, the Cambridge Folk Festival and Glastonbury Festival, uh, and also the president of Youth for Human Rights International. Coming up, we've got a BBC composer called Neil Brand and... Um, We've got, like I said, an, an artistic gardener whose name is Leif Vigers. Um, and yeah, loads of other people as well. I think we've got a, a, an award-winning theatre director coming on whose name is Martin something. And I should probably stop there because I'll be embarrassed if I can't remember <laughs> anymore. Um, so yeah, that that's, that's a fascinating thing to be part of, exploring the the history that gave rise to the most influential law of equal justice in history. So do join me there. Um, if you are involved in education in any way, then check out epictales.co.uk. Uh, it's storytelling. It's mainly storytelling for helping kids to, to learn. Uh, so it's story-led learning, basically. And there are loads and loads of free stories on there, free story videos performed by myself and uh, loads of other wonderful storytellers uh, who I am, like I said earlier, just so honored to be working with. And they, um, uh, the videos are accompanied by a podcast in which a team of brilliant teachers um, dissect the stories and pull out all of the wonderful things your kids can be learning as they listen to them um, so yeah if you're involved in education jump in there if you're just interested in stories and and you know my, maybe even my novel then um, best thing to do is to 
find me on Facebook. Uh, I am at Storyteller Chip. Uh, that's my Facebook page. And you could probably send me a message and I'll give you the page for my uh, novel that I'm writing at the moment. Um, you can find Facebook pages for other projects I've been involved in, like um, the Life of the People project for the Museum of English Rural Life. Um, it's a, obviously a Facebook page for Epic Tales as well. Um, and my favourite is, of course, Pie Piper's Musical Theatre Club, where I met your good self, Jerry, um, and so many of my friends, including my fiance. Um, it has been one of my greatest pleasures in life to be involved in the Pie Pipers. It is by far the friendliest community I think I've met in both community theatre and professional theatre as well. The quality of what comes out of it um, has exceeded a lot of the professional theatre I've seen, let alone been part of. Um, and I can't recommend them enough. Head and find the Pie Pipers on Facebook, on the website, join their mailing list, come along to shows. Uh, you might even get to meet Jerry and me. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that was that was quality. That was a quality plug. I loved every second of it. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't really know where to go from there. Um, where can we go from there? I then asked Chip, what his take was of our very first meeting on the production of The Full Monty. Uh, well, again, my my take on it, as you say, is just that it, again, was just the epitome of community theatre, really. I mean, um, the director had a, a vision that involved letting as many people as possible um, contribute. Um, which is pretty commendable, actually, for, for a director, because it, it can get chaotic. And I think for a moment there, um, it almost did um, dissolve into chaos. Um, but what we find in all situations like that is you, you get very clear um, creative gels happening. So um, people such as yourself, Jerry, you... you you just brought your character, you got into your character, you made him, you brought him to life. Um, and that meant that the rest of us were able to bounce off you in character and, and maintain our own characters. Um, Bryony was incredible as choreographer. Um, the sort of thing she got us doing was... Uh, <sighs> I, I don't know. I, I I don't think I've I've been made to move um, in the ways that that she's she managed to get us to to work. Um, uh, but yeah, so it was so good that she um, then came back and directed. Uh, what was it? I, I think was it anything goes that came straight after? Yes, it was. Um, and uh, she so pleased to have worked with her in American Idiot as well. Actually, I, I first met Bryony um, when she came on to choreograph my first ever attempt at directing for Pie Pipers, which was Singing in the Rain. Um, and I owe a huge debt to Bryony for that as well, because um, I've, I've directed professional productions um, in the past and you know I've, I've been paid to direct and and i've directed people who are getting paid and I, I think when when you move into the the community you 
you're in a very different zone because on the one hand, people are there for passion, not money. So that means that they they have, in a way, a, a sort of greater um, reason for being there, certainly a more noble reason for being there. Um, they are there just to uh, have fun with it and entertain with it. Um, but on the other hand, that means that um, th there can be a, a few more clashes of um uh how, how how can i put this um not clashes of personality um just clashes in the sense that people if if they if they don't like something they're not going to just shut up and do it because there's money at the end of it um they are going to um just stop doing it um and that can cause issues in community theatre and i have now been on both sides of that both uh, in the the acting side on of community theatre and also in directing side and i have to admit i gave up um singing in the rain was the last show i directed for community theatre um because it was just um way too much pressure for me and it was um stealing some of the the fun and the enjoyment of being in the community um i i still absolutely love the show that we produced at the end um and i'm grateful to absolutely everybody who was part of it um but for me personally um it was not as much fun as just going in and letting someone tell me what to do um so yeah uh, and i i was so grateful to Bryony at the time because she made it so much much easier than it could have been uh it, it could have been a whole lot worse but um Bryony's professionalism even back then um at the community level was amazing um and i see so many good things happening um with her at the helm same with Megan as well. I know we've mentioned her a couple of times. It was delightful getting to play opposite her in Full Monty. I think it's thanks to her that has been one of my favourite roles ever to play um, because I, I had some of my favourite moments on the stage playing opposite her. Um, not not to do you any discredit, Jerry, because I, I had fun in our scenes as well. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I don't mind. But uh, I think, yeah, just a lot came together in Full Monty. <laughs> a lot came together in Full Monty. Uh, you know, there was there was yourself, there was Bryony, there was Megan, um, Rory as well, and Gareth, uh, amazing people. Um, the kids as well, James and Christopher. Um, yeah, uh, I, I'm going to start... Um, forgetting people if I try to name everybody. So I will stop there. <laughs> um, I've often heard people say that it's when the show's actually over, it's a sad time. Well, actually, um, prior to being on that show, I didn't actually read much into that. But having done the show, I see exactly what everybody means. Mm. And it's so easy to come out of them saying, you know, making commitments to each other that you are going to remain friends and, and see each other every week in, in the space of rehearsals. And it never happens because these these experiences in community theatre, they are they are so full of energy that you yes you you come out of it feeling um that you miss everybody but you also are just so drained of everything that you put into it um and i i don't think it 
I, I, I don't blame anybody for um, just sort of taking a few months to recover and then waiting until the next one. I, I, there are some friends that are really, really good friends who, who I have, who I only really see for purposes of community theatre. Um, and if I try to connect with them outside of community theatre, um, sometimes it, it, it just doesn't happen. It fails to materialise. People are too busy, too tired, whatever. Um, and you've got to have respect for that because, like I said, people do community theatre out of passion. Um, it is amazing the amount of love that goes into it and the, the energy that that takes. Having said that, it does make it all the more special when you have a group like the Pie Pipers, which somehow does manage to keep that sort of energy going beyond the show. Um, and, you know, you're doing this, Jerry, and, and we're, we've been able to catch up a few times outside of Full Monty. Um, I, I know I came to see you in another production of it as well, because um, you're just so amazing. You got you got asked to do it twice. <laughs> Um, and, you know, it's the same with folks like Megan and uh, obviously my partner, Emma, um, who I'm going to be seeing quite an awful lot of for the rest of my life. Um, and, you know, many others, uh, so many good friends I've made through community theatre and in the through the Pie Pipers, especially. So, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And I, my, my aim is to get round to every single one of them at, in time. So this this podcast is here for the long haul. Have any has anyone turned you down yet? Nobody's turned me down as such. They've kept me waiting. There you go. That that's just the proof, isn't it? And you should know by now that Jerry doesn't give up. <laughs> Absolutely, I will not give up. Hence, uh, yourself. I've been chasing you around, and I've got there eventually. In in all honesty, in all seriousness, I have been keeping an eye on what you've been doing. Every time I've seen you pop up doing something, I have. It's been lovely, thank you. So, anyway, I'm going to I'm going to wrap this up here. Um, but if you have no objections, because there's so much more I could have spoke about, which we probably haven't got time for now, I would like to make a second part to this. I I might ask something of you in return, though, Jerry. Right. Okay. Let's 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 hear it. Let's hear what it is. I'm back. Well, because um, I, I got asked to do a two-parter by somebody else who interviewed me for their YouTube channel, mm -hmm. you see. Um, and one of the, the things that came out from the discussion was, of course, the, the interest in storytelling and the power that it has to help educate and entertain and build communities and uh, all, all of these wonderful things that, that stories can do and that all all the people who've been on your podcast are are doing in in one way or another um and knowing that some of your listeners are going to be um hearing this and, and maybe thinking about how they could get involved and and what they could do to uh, either start storytelling or writing or dramatics or singing or, or any of that i think um it will be of of great benefit to them if we give you a workshop on storytelling so that they can pick up some of the skills so if you have me back jerry what i'm basically saying is will you let me teach you some storytelling stuff so that your listeners can learn absolutely Absolutely. 
There you go. Jerry has just said that he is going to be telling stories on this podcast in the not too distant future. Yes. I've done it now. I've done it now. <laughs> now yes. And I hope you, you don't edit out that enormously long pause that you just gave there while you were really carefully weighing up what you were uh, putting yourself in for. Yeah, I didn't really think it through, did I? But no, I'm, 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 I, I, you know, I'm, I'm always up for a challenge. I'll be, I'll be scared awesome. silly, but I'll do it. So, yes, you, you've got a deal. And fair's fair. If you committing to me, then it's only right that I should to you. So yes, absolutely. Smashing. Well, then I will look forward to our next chat. Yes. Right. Okay. Brilliant. To each and every one of you listening out there, I want to play the next play out tune just for you. You have been truly remarkable. Thank you very much for tuning in and keeping me going and giving me the motivation to keep this podcast going each week i'd like to say thank you massive thank you super thank you to chip Cahoon for being a brilliant guest and i'd like to ask you all to join me again next week when i will be here talking to somebody new and trying to entertain you at the same time until then have a safe week and i'll see you all next week bye bye for now Thank you.